So I thought, uh, <coughs> I'll, I'll hop out and I'll empty the trash. So I started emptying the trash, because otherwise my brother was doing it all, and he does it, it's his house, he doesn't really complain about it. And as I'm emptying the trash, I thought, okay, as I'm doing this, I need to make sure I walk by my brother and his wife so they see me doing this good thing. I mean, I really thought that. Please tell me you think those things too at times, all right? I want them to see me. And then I felt like, honestly, I felt like the Spirit of God said, why is that important to you? Why can't you just empty the trash? I was like, because I want them to see me. I want, to know, I want them to know that I'm grateful and thankful. And, that, and I felt like God said, well, aren't you grateful? Can't you express that some other way? Do they have to see you doing that? I like, yes, they have to see me. No, they don't. I mean, I, and so I, I, then I decided, okay, I'm empty the trash, and I'm going to be a little bit uh, covert and put it where it needs to go without being seen by anybody. But there was, it, it's amazing how much of a battle that was, because I wanted him to see me. I wanted my sister-in-law to see me carrying the trash. Now, if, you were to, if I were to invite you into my, what I call my psycho-spiritual thinking at that point, what's going on? Was it not a big deal? Should I have, just, should I have paraded by the kitchen and say, here it is, I'm emptied the trash for you. Look at all the trash. I, is it, what's the deal? And why is it, why, why in this case did I really feel like the Spirit of God said, don't do it, and don't let them know? I only did it one time, but anyway. So, uh, so here's, here's the, that's the question I'm asking, and we'll go into this. So I'm doing a series, but none series this summer. Go to the next slide. Called Change. The A in change is the Greek, word, Greek letter delta, which is a symbol for change. Spiritual habits that enable us to become the life-giving people Jesus knows we can be. So we've talked over the summer about the habit of prayer, not out of duty or obligation or guilt, but out of connecting with God. We've talked about the habit of, of reading or studying or meditating on the Bible. Again, not out of duty, not out of trying to win favor with God, but how to connect with God. And these habits are things we do to help us become open and accessible to the Holy Spirit. We don't do them to win points or to gain favor. So this week, and so we, the ultimate goal, go to the next slide, the ultimate goal is to be the kind of people who naturally do the things Jesus told us to do. These are all quotes of Jesus, commands of Jesus. So yes, we talk about the Ten Commandments, but these are kind of the expression of those through the mouth of Jesus. And how do we become the kind of people that do those things naturally? We don't do them because we force ourselves. Okay, I have to forgive. I have to repent. I have to tithe. I have to not be afraid. I have to be reconciled. And we kind of get the... How do we do these things where it becomes a natural part of our souls? That's the goal. Because if, if we're not trying to change to be the kind of people who naturally do the things Jesus told us we could and should do, then we're wasting our time coming to church or reading the Bible. So that's the goal. That's the goal, being those kind of people. Now, go to the next slide. So what we're talking about today is the spiritual habit of secrecy. I had that, that's been printed in the purple sheet the last few weeks. I list all the things we'll be talking about. And somebody asked me recently, what does that mean? What's, this, what's the habit of secrecy? And we're going to talk about that today, but it's essentially kind of doing things known only to God. Doing good things known only to God without the addiction for the approval of other people. So um, a couple things before I get into some overarching things. Go to the next slide. So we talk, talk in terms of every spiritual habit, there's a big difference between training and trying. And I've used this example for 
Daniel Coons, John Kensick, and others have run marathons. They train for that. They have a, a system where they train for that. If I went out tomorrow and was going to a marathon or a mini marathon, and somebody just said, Matt, you just got to try to run really good. Who's better off, the one who trained or the one who's trying hard? And what happens in our spiritual lives, we've kind of forgot about the importance of training our souls. And it's just, well, you just have to try harder. You have to try harder to forgive. You have to try harder to be generous. You have to try harder to be patient with your wife, kids, or, kid, or spouse. So there's a difference between training. The goal is we train our hearts. We train our souls. The Bible even says we train for righteousness. It's not about trying harder. Trying harder is the weight of religion that Jesus told people, uh, I'll give you rest. When you're, if you're overburdened, come with all you are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. He was telling that to people who've been told their whole lives, you have to try harder. Try harder, try better, stop doing this, try, try, try. So it's about training, not trying. The next thing is this overarching kind of principle. There's two things a church can become. This, this comes from something I read years ago. Um, an idea club, in this case, would be a church that has all the right thinking, all the right ideas, all the right doctrines, and we'd love to have conversations about what's good and right and true. A community of practice is a church of people who do, who focus on doing what Jesus told us to do. The ideas matter, but if it stays in the idea world and we all say, yes, this is exactly what we believe. Yes, we want to, this is the kind of people we want to be. And then we don't do anything about it. Then we are simply an idea club, which makes no difference in your life and makes no difference in the world. A community of practice are people that are committed to practicing the things Jesus told us to do, we, we could and should do, and then we become changed people, and then we become agents of the kind of revolution, the world revolution that Jesus said he came to do, the revolution of, of the overarching, powerful love of God in people's lives. Jesus came for nothing short of world revolution. He didn't come simply to uh, get us in line. He came for world revolution. So we want to be a community of practice we don't simply want to be an idea club. And in, in a university town, it's really easy to become just an idea club. We have great ideas, great thoughts, great things on paper. But when it comes to doing it, practicing those things to become those kind of people, that's what we want to be. And that's the harder part of, I think, following Jesus. It's easy to have right thoughts. I really don't think, I don't, I don't think, I know when, when we get to the pearly gates or whatever, we're not going to be given a multiple choice test about whether we have the right ideas. It's going to be about where my heart is and how I've opened my heart up to the things of God by practicing the things he told me to do. So all these things, whether it's prayer, Bible, Bible study, secrecy, other things, it's about practicing things. All right, so here we go. Here's the passage we're going to look at. Now I want you to, there's two different phrases that are going to be seen. This is the, this is the, this is the battle inside of us. To be seen by others, think of me emptying the trash, or doing it in secret. This is the battle that we all, that, that our souls kind of argue with us about, all right? And those two phrases appear in this very text. So this is Jesus. This is part of his uh, Sermon on the Mount, or part of his teaching in that section. And so he's telling people, this is the kind of life you can have. These are the kind of people you can be if you trust me and open your heart up to me. So Jesus says this, be careful not to practice your righteousness, read the yellow with me, in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. 
So he opens up by saying, be careful. Don't practice your good deeds, your righteous deeds. Don't be a good person where you're motivated by others to be, to be seen by others. All right, now we'll go on to the next part of the passage. He says, so when you give to the needy, so now he's talking about how this happens when it comes to money, all right? When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. The hypocrites, he's referring to the Pharisees, the religious elite, and every, if we're honest, every one of us has a, has a Pharisee inside of us. We want to be seen, and they would actually trumpet this, you know, kind of this fanfare of, I'm giving money now to the poor, all right? As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, read the yellow with me, to be honored by others. So again, they're doing it to get affirmation of people, all right? Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be, read it with me, in secret. Then your father who sees you what is done in secret will reward you. All right, so you see this different, different doing in front of others versus doing something in secret. All right, F finish the passage here. Now he's talking about spiritual actions, like in this case, prayer. So when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, out loud, to be seen by others. So in those days, what this, there'd be this call to prayer to the synagogues. And some of the, the Pharisees, the religious elite, they would stop on their way to the synagogue on the street corner and pray out loud with the intended impression of, I can't even wait to get to the synagogue. I'm so spiritual, I'm going to pray right now where everybody can see me. So it was motivated by being seen. Of course, they would say, no, I'm just eager to pray, and I can't even wait till I get to the synagogue. I'm going to pray right now. I want people to see. So that's what he's talking about. And every, when he was, Jesus was talking to the crowd, and they all knew. They're like, yeah, I've seen those Pharisees do that. And there were Pharisees in the crowd that were getting angry when Jesus was talking. I always remind people, Jesus, didn't, Jesus wasn't killed because he was too nice to people. He was killed because he was irritating at great depths the Pharisees and the religious elite and basically saying that's not what God's looking for. All right? So he says they were, you know, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. So he's saying there is a, an approval you're looking for, but it's not from people. Pray to your fathers unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done, read with me, in secret, will reward you. So this interesting, I mean, this is part of Jesus, you know, big sermon on the mountaintop. This is a, a large passage. This is a large part of his talk. He de devotes to this. So it must be a big deal that religiosity prompts us to want to be impressive to people. True spirituality of, and the following of Jesus, we crave the approval of God, almost to the point where we shun the approval of people. It's not, it's not a I don't care what you think kind of attitude, but it's, that's not motivating to me. And here's a phrase I've used this phrase before. Go to the next slide. Here's a phrase I've used before, but I'm going to highlight it today. The challenge today is I want you to reject image management. Image management, which the Pharisees were expert at, 
is anything you do to make sure other people know you're a spiritual person. It's kind of like you're your own PR firm. They talk about spin doctors, whether it's politicians or business leaders. But image management is a sin that most of us struggle with in ways we don't even realize it. We can see it in, in the hypocrites. The people we know, there's our spiritual hypocrite. They want people to think they're really spiritual. I was talking just this last weekend with a family member who was talking about another family member they know that nobody hears knows. And they're like, yeah, they, they talk about going to church and leading a Bible study, blah, 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 blah. But they are the most hateful, unforgiving, greedy person I know. But when you're with them, they talk about the Bible studies they lead, the church they attend, and all the things they do for their church. Again, this is not local, so nobody would know anybody here. They are practicing the, the art. It's, it is an art of image management. And we all do that to some degree. We all want people to think, I wanted my brother and his wife to think, I'm a good person because I'm emptying the trash. And we want, we want to be seen. Now, I'm not saying... I'm not saying if you empty the trash, hide, run and hide, <laughs> go around the back door. I'm not, but if you're doing it and you intentionally have to realize, I want to be seen doing this, that should be a flag for you to think, hey, God, what's going on? Why is it important that somebody sees me? So then what I'm saying is we need to be the kind of people that practice secrecy. And you say, well, what does that mean? Pract Here's a couple examples of practicing secrecy. So it's an intentional thing. Um, Maybe you do something for someone, maybe your spouse, without, um, I used to always want to tell my wife when I emptied the dishwasher, like I should get gold stars for it or something. And I started realizing, you know what, I need to do that and not trumpet that to her. I don't need to tell her I've done that. I don't need to tell my wife I changed the diaper. I mean, that's, I'm way past that stage, bless the Lord. <laughs> no. But I don't need to tell that to her. And so there is an intentionality of I'm going to do what is good and righteous and loving without... Now, I'm not going to do it in, this, in the pitch black darkness so nobody sees me, but neither am I going to say, hey, I emptied the dishwasher. Praise me, please. All right. So that's a real... Maybe you do something for a neighbor without making a big deal about what you did for them. Maybe you give money away anonymously. That's a real challenge. I remember the first time, I, I don't do this a lot, but I remember the first time I did it, I was actually in seminary, and I knew one of my fellow seminarians was hard up on money, and I didn't have a lot, but I just felt like God was wanting me to practice this. So I knew where he was studying the library. I wasn't stalking him, but I, I, also, I noticed when he got up to go to the bathroom, or whatever he was doing, I don't know. And I walked over, and I put a $20 bill in the open book in his little carol, and I walked away. Now, there are parts of me that I desperately wanted him to know it was me. Because I wanted him to say, thank you. You're such a good person, Matt. You're so generous. But I really feel like God wanted me to put it in there and go hide. And not say, and then it, and I, he might have even mentioned to me in a conversation, yeah, somebody gave me some money. Everything in you wants to say, um, was it a $20 bill? When was it? Because I was in the library then. But there was, honestly, for me, there was something energizing about not, him not knowing because I thought, I want to practice being approved by God and, and uh, fasting from the approval of men. There's times I've sent money to people in the mail 
trying to wrap it up so nobody can see a bill in there anonymously. And then you might think, well, how's, <laughs> even to the point, this, this is a little obsessive, I would write the address left-handed so I wouldn't recognize my handwriting. Then you might ask, what about the return address? I would put their address as a return address. I've done that with, not a lot, but I, and I, there's one case where I sent somebody a gift card anonymously, and it was someone who I had a hard time forgiving. Everything in me wanted them to know it was me as kind of a jab. See, I can forgive you. I'm giving you a gift card. And again, please don't tell me none of you, none of you think that way, because I think we all do. But I really feel like God wanted me just to give that, per, give that person something without them having any idea it was me giving it to them. But God knew I was giving it to them. And God was the one who was directing me to do it. And I had to kind of understand that I want God's approval, whether that person affirms or knows that I gave them anything or not. Um, so practicing doing good for someone maybe really, really small. I think I've, I've, I've told you this story before. I know Bob McKeel reminded me at once when I had to, I was really mad at a home I was living. I was living, when I was in seminary, I lived with another seminary student with a single mom and her two young boys in the house. The kitchen was always a mess, and she always blamed it on us. And it wasn't our fault, it was her boy's fault, but she just didn't want to. One time I was gone for the whole weekend, and I came back to the house late Sunday night, and the dishes were, the sink was full of dirty dishes. And I thought, oh, good. If she gets mad at us for learning the dirty dishes, I'm going to say, I wasn't here. <laughs> Deal with that. It was your kids. Because I wanted to be vindicated. So that's the opposite of approval by others. I want to be vindicated. I want people not, not to think badly of me. All right? There are, there's a time I want people to think good of me, but also I th don't want people to think bad of me. So she was thinking bad of me. She thought I was a slob in the kitchen. So that next morning, I woke up early, and I was doing my you know, time of reading the Bible, and, and I felt like God was saying to me, go wash the dishes. And I had to remind God they weren't mine. They're not mine. And I'm, he's like, I know. I, I know they're not yours. Go wash the dishes. This was like at 6 a.m. I don't know why I even woke up early that morning. I think maybe God woke me up early. I, and so I got up, washed the dishes, and I distinctly remember, remember God saying, and don't make a big deal about it. You don't need to remind her. Her name was Ricky. She was probably, I don't know at that time, probably a 50-year-old bitter divorce woman. And I thought, oh, can't I just tell her that I did it? Because I want her to know that I did it and it wasn't mine. But then what's happening there is it's, I want vindication. I want vindication slash approval. So I washed them. Nothing was ever said about it. And it was, and, but it was good for my soul because I was learning not to be so driven by approval or it's negative, which is vindication from people. I mean, there was something happened the last couple of years that our church was a part of, and we made it happen, and I heard somebody crediting it to a different church. And I kind of got mad for a second. I thought, what? We did that. They didn't do that. We did that. But, but I felt a sense of God saying, don't, don't say anything. That's okay. Whether or not you get the credit for it as a church is not that important. But I was like, but God, they were giving credit to the wrong person. Because we did 90% of that. They did maybe five. I, I do math with God all the time, trying to figure out, can we justify this a little bit? But it was like, no, it's, it's okay. Just because they don't know that Exodus was a part of that in a significant way, 
maybe exes can just do things without caring about whether people approve of us or not or give us credit. And I, I think we do for the most part. I'm just saying there's that, that, that battle kind of rages in all kinds of different levels. So then you might say, okay, if I'm supposed to reject image management and I'm supposed to practice secrecy, and I don't know if you noticed, but the word reward occurred probably, I think it was five or six times in the passage. Either Jesus said their reward is their approval of men and they won't get any reward in heaven. This is your reward. If you do things in secret, your father will reward you. So you might be thinking, okay, what's... This is the negative challenge, reject image management, but what's the positive? What's the reward? And please don't tell me the reward is simply going to heaven after I die, because that's a long time to wait for doing things and getting... Fr- you know what I'm saying? I mean, so what's the reward? What's Jesus talking about when he says, if you do things in secret, your father will reward you? Because there's something that we then communicated with, with God about how his approval for us. So I just put a couple passages of scripture up on the screen. So when you... Th- this is about kind of reward and what God's looking for in us. All right, from Isaiah chapter 66, this is, the, this is God's words. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those that are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. So if we do the things God tells us to do, he looks on us with favor. Now think about your parents or anybody who you, you value their opinion of you. If they look on you with favor, that's a big deal. Isn't that really what we want? We want God to favor us, look on us with favor. So there's a reward of humility and contriteness of spirit and, and being willing to do things without vindication or approval. Another passage, Zephaniah 3.17. Again, this is the context of what kind of reward do we, what do we ultimately should be motivated by? What kind of reward as opposed to the reward of the approval of men and women? The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I'll take that over the applause of people anytime. My body doesn't always agree with that. Sometimes I want this desperately. I want people to say, wow, you took out the trash, or wow, you gave me $20. But I think most of us would say, if I knew and experienced that reality, that God takes delight in me, no more rebuke, no more condemnation, and then God actually sings over me, if I could experience that, that seems trivial. Approval from people. Praying on the street corners. Trumpeting when I give to people. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. So, Part of it is I want, people to, I want me, I want you to realize it's not just don't do this, don't do things for approval or vindication. It's no, don't do that because there's something much greater God wants to do for you. He wants this kind of relationship with you. This is the reward. And we're motivated by rewards and punishments in, in realistic ways, but this is what we're looking for. And the last, last passage here, go to the next one. I think it's the last one I have on here. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So this whole sense of God's love for us, God's delight in us, God's favor in us. So my challenge is sometime this week, I'm going to challenge you to practice secrecy. 
Maybe when I mention money, you, then maybe, that, maybe a little bell went off in your head. Maybe that's the Spirit of God saying, hey, maybe you should send somebody some money or a gift card anonymously. Or maybe you thought of something you could do for your spouse, for one of your kids, for one of your neighbors, for somebody you don't like even. I'm not saying your spouse and kids are somebody you don't like. I'm not comparing that. Put a, put a semicolon there, not a comma, okay? So I don't know who the person is. But I'm going to challenge you this week to be open and be accessible to God if he tells you to do something, a good, something good and generous for someone with the express intention of not letting them know or not wanting them to know. Whether it's money, gift card, doing something for your husband or wife that you know they would want done, but they may not even know that you do it, but you're doing it because you know God wants you to do it. And that's really good for your soul. It's really good for your soul. It becomes restful. The approval game can be wearisome. I remember, I heard, a, I'm not total into social media. I don't, I don't always get it all. My kids have to explain things to me like 20 times. But I do know there's these things called likes. And when you get a lot of likes, you feel better about yourself. And when you don't get as many likes on your Instagram posts or Facebook Grammios, whatever they're called. And I remember hearing a pastor talk one time that he decided he was going to fast from likes. He wasn't going to be posting things because he, he felt like he was addicted to getting all these likes because somehow he felt better about himself when he got people telling him they liked his picture, they liked his post, they liked his, they liked his quippy saying. So maybe that's you. Maybe you need to fast from things that generate in you this desire to be liked. For those of you who are older than me, this is the, the symbol for like, so maybe I need to explain that to you. I don't know. So I don't know what it is this week, but do something. Practice secrecy in some way so the reward of the love of God, the favor of God, the delight of God in you becomes more of a real experience in your own soul and you break the addiction. I mean, I was reading, the, was it this morning in the paper, there was an article about the addiction of Monroe County of opioid drugs, and I know recently about meth, methamphetamines and alcohol addiction. Let's be honest how, how we are addicted to approval of other people. That's an addiction that nobody can see, and it doesn't kill people in that sense, but it kills our souls. So break the addiction, practice secrecy. Uh, let's pray. Jesus, um, thank you, we thank you that you said you came to set us free. You came to set us free from the silly addictions we have, and specifically the addiction of other people admiring us, liking us, adoring us, approving of us. So God, we want to break that addiction primarily because we want to be addicted in the deep soul sense of your approval, in your delight, in your favor, and your love, and the selfless love of Jesus. Jesus, we're, we're grateful, Jesus, that you had no, even a scent of addiction to the approval of the religious establishment, but you only did what you heard and said the Father doing. That's who we want to be. We want to be righteous, good, generous, merciful, forgiving, even if only your eyes see it. That's who we want to be. So would you change that part of our hearts? Would you 
by your spirit, show us things even this week we can do that can start breaking the bonds and the cords that tie up our souls because we want to be free. And we ask this all in your name. Amen. Um, we finish every week with...